interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. They made us chase that thing for so long. The least it could give us is a proper bunny explosion. Hey, it's Colia, if you don't know, and it is time for another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely downtown Halifax. Well, it's it's pretty it's pretty lovely out there, I would say. Yeah. Um yeah, we're starting to get some more sunlight. It is um well it's the weekend. It's five it's five PM. It's Friday, it's the weekend. We're starting to get some more sunlight. The weather is starting to get a little warmer. It's really trying. We'll get to that weather, though, in about half an hour's time. For now, let's take a look at what is going on over at lowbiasgaming.net. Uh, and it's uh, pretty much pretty much the Jason show featuring Jason as, um, as it's been for a little while. Because there is, um, you know, it's always the story of real life comes first, right? You can't really stop real life from happening. Anyway, uh, Jason brings us six new episodes of Final Fantasy VIII um, and also a uh, video for the Low Bias Monthly for this month, which is um, basically score attack games. Um, and my pick was Zoop. Uh, which is a puzzle game for the Super Nintendo and Genesis and some other systems as well. Uh, and Jason has um, put up a score for Zoop. I haven't taken a look at that score yet, but uh, that will definitely be a score to beat uh, when I get around to making that video, which goodness knows when that's going to be, quite honestly. Um, as far as what's going on at the forum, we have a soundtrack for Vagrant Story as well as a couple of more episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, what is this? Full season playlist? Is this something to do with Electric Leftovers? or No, this is something to do with Mystery Science Theater. Cool. Um, so yeah, it is time to get on to a little bit of music here. Good to be with you guys. On CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, it's Square Wave Symphony. Let's get this thing started, shall we?
That was Matt Yuleman with the title theme of today's game from the archives here on Square Wave Symphony CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Oh, Scarlet, why do you do this? <laughs> Give me a second here. After the events of the first game, the Alchemist, one of the three main classes, is corrupted by the Emberlight from the heart of Ordrak, the main source of corruption beneath the town of Torchlight. Now he is on the rampage for taking the power of the Guardians and breaking the balance of elements. New heroes arise, uh, arrive to rise up against his madness with the help of the, the Destroyer and the Vanquisher, other, uh, sorry, other two playable characters from the first game. This is Torchlight 2. It is an action game for Windows developed and published by Runic Games and released in 2012. Um, Scarlet likes to describe this as Diablo 2 in cartoon form, and frankly, he's not wrong. That doesn't mean that's what he should be posting in the description, but what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, it is basically... Diablo 2 except more indie and more cartoony? Well, anyway. I will actually be talking about Torchlight 2 in a little bit more detail later on in the episode, but for now, let's direct our attention to lowbiasgaming.net where there is a playlist of 47 videos between Jason and Scarlet uh, there for you to check out.
That was February 25th, Beefy Mornings by Slamhouse from his series Tunes Day. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And we're back on to uh, Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it's time for the news of the weird. And I don't know why I said it that way, but I did. Now we all have to live with it. Our lead story today, as soon as it comes up here, there we go, Police Briefs. The Select Board of Croydon, New Hampshire, ruled unexpectedly on February 18th that it would abolish the town police department and rely instead on the New Hampshire uh, State Police for law enforcement, reported the Valley News. Croydon Police Chief Richard Lee, the sole member of the police department for almost 20 years, told the news he was asked to turn in his equipment, including his uniform, badges, and the keys to his police cruiser. So at the meeting's conclusion... Lee faced the board president and, quote, gave them my uniform shirt. I gave them my turtleneck. I gave them my ballistic vest. I sat down in the chair, took off my boots, took off my pants, put those in the chair, and put my boots back on and walked out the door. All right. Lee walked about a mile in 26 degree Fahrenheit temperatures before his wife picked him up. The select board uh, released a statement saying the decision was, quote, an action based upon value for the cost of the department. Resident Rick Sampson told reporters, what kind of a town lets their chief of police walk out in a, sto- a snowstorm in his underwear? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point. He was no longer the chief of police. He was, I don't know if you guys are following, but um, kind of vaguely reminds me of Corner Gas, where there's only the two people who run the entire police station, but um, that's just my thought about it. It does kind of suck for him, though. It's like, why not just pull him into the state police force? Yeah. Anyway, our next story. Whoops. An unnamed 33-year-old woman from uh, Hermini, Pennsylvania, took an unconventional route home and after a night out drinking on February 16th, according to the city of, of Duquesne police. Of Duquesne? Duquesne, yes. City of Duquesne police. Uh, driving a Mazda CX-5, the woman left a tavern and ended up in a rail yard near the Port Perry Railroad Bridge, a narrow span that cov- that carries one one set of tracks over the oh boy, uh, Monongahela River. I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced. The vehicle did quite well, considering it is not a locomotive, noted police, and the driver traveled a significant distance along the bridge before getting stuck. WPIX reported she called 911 for help at about 2.40 a.m. and Norfolk's uh, Southern stopped all rail traffic while the car was removed from the tracks. Police arrested the driver for DUI. And that reminds me of a scene from Archer. I want to fly the train. Um... Well, it's not exactly the same thing, but why do you go driving on trail on train tracks? Being drunk? 
That is not an excuse. Good day, sir. The passing parade. Three friends were wrapping up at a night of dinner and drinking on February 15th in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, when things got, quote, a little out of control, according to a police report. As the night wore on, Casey Margaret Westrad, 24, became increasingly amorous toward a resistant female friend, the friend told police, eventually escalating to a point that a naked Westrad pursued the woman outside, punching her several times in the face. MyrtleBeachOnline.com reported Westrad was charged with third-degree assault and battery, damage to property, and resisting arrest. I mean, that's one way to get someone's attention. It's not the right way, but it's one way, I guess. Um, don't do that. That's not a good idea. The smell test, ladies and gentlemen, and people of all gender identities. Um, police inspired Germany gave chase after they were passed by a car driving at high speed with its lights off on February 14th. The suspect, a 26-year-old man, pulled over and ran from the car, leaving a trail of scent that was so distinct, officers said that they were able to follow it from the car to the man who was hiding behind a hedge. Due to the cloud of perfume that was detected inside the car and on the man, police said it was possible to identify him as the driver, the Associated Press reported. His breath didn't smell so good, though. He was far over the alcohol limit. I mean, there's being conscious about how you smell, and then there's putting on so much cologne or perfume that you don't even need a bloodhound to track by scent. Mm. Of course, if you're impaired, that might explain it. Our next story, wait, what? The woman who attempted to board an airplane with her emotional support, Peacock, has made headlines. But in Port St. Lucie, Florida, one man is questioning why his particular support item has been banned from the dialysis center where he takes treatments three times a week. Nelson Gibson first brought an 8 by 10 inch photo of President Donald J. Trump to comfort him as he endured the three and a half hour treatments, then exchanged that for a small cardboard cutout of himself standing next to a Trump photo. When he, when he next arrived with a life-size cutout of the president... No one complained, Gibson told WPBF, but on February 11th, quote, they told me it was too much and it wasn't a rally. Another quote, it just feels like bringing something from home to make you comfortable, Gibson said, um, noting that others bring items, including one woman who pops bubble wrap during the entire treatment. That's very nerve-wracking, he said. It's unclear whether Gibson will return to the center for treatments. You know what? I don't even care who it is. It can be Trump or it can be Guy Fieri. It doesn't really matter. Don't go around carrying a standee of people to bring places. That's not a good idea. There was an entire episode of Family Guy about that. That's not a good idea. Our next story, Extreme Measures. Um, tensions are running high in China, where the coronavirus has affected thousands of people and sparked instances of panic buying. AFP reports that supermarkets have experienced runs on staples, 
such as rice and pasta, but in Hong Kong, a gang, excuse me, a gang of men wielding knives attacked a delivery driver in Mong Kok on February 17th, making off with hundreds of rolls of toilet paper worth about $130. Police said the missing rolls were recovered and the two suspects were arrested. Locals seemed baffled, with one woman to uh, telling a TV station, I'd steal face masks, but not a toilet roll. I mean, yeah, it's it's not fun to not have your um, your toilet paper roll. That's definitely a, that's definitely a fact. But I'd be more worried about the face masks in face with that situation. Let's not resort to knives, people. This can this can go this can get under control. Anyway. Our next story, government at work. Ontario's new license plates hit the roads on February 1st, sporting a pleasant color of blue with white numbers and letters. During the day. At night, all that's visible is a shiny blue rectangle, according to complaints on Twitter. The numbers and letters disappear, which makes them a problem for law enforcement. Did anyone consult with police before designing and manufacturing the new Ontario license plates, wrote Kingston Police Sergeant Steve Koopman. They're virtually unreadable at night. The CBC reported a government spokesperson saying authorities, quote, are currently looking into this. But Lisa Thompson, Ontario's Minister in, of Government and Consumer Services, saw a political angle. Sticking with the status quo liberal plate that was peeling and flaking was not an option, she said. We absolutely have confidence in our plates. Not everyone does. And I'm just going to move on to the next story, because that's getting into political discourse. Must see TV. Police in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, arrested uh, Robert Lee Noy, 52, on February 17th and charged him with first-degree harassment and false imprisonment after his victim told them Noy kidnapped her and forced her to watch the 1977 historical miniseries Roots, quote, so she could better understand her racism, the Gazette reported. He allegedly told her that if she did not sit for the entire nine-hour series about slavery, he would kill her and spread the body parts across Interstate 380 on the way to Chicago. Aha. Next story. Annals of Entitlement. Saloni Ketarpol, uh, 36, threw a tantrum worthy of the terrible twos on February 13th when she, quote, repeatedly call, uh, called 911 to report that her parents had shut off her cell phone, according to court documents. Ketterpaul demanded that the officers respond to her home in Jackson Township, Ohio, and was warned that she should only call 911 for a legitimate emergency. Several hours later, News 5 Cleveland reported uh, she called back, became belligerent, and told the dispatcher she, she thought it was a legitimate issue. She was arrested and charged with disrupting public services. Wait, what? Really call him on to report that her parents had shot off her. S okay, that's one. How well? I guess nine one one isn't blocked when your cell phone is shut off. You still get to call nine one one, but you don't call nine one one to complain about your services. Doesn't matter what happened to them. 
unless there's someone outside your door chopping down your, you know, power lines or something. No, you don't call 911 for that. And our next story, under the title of Awesome. Hell, Michigan is inviting 29 couples to, quote, take the leap and tie the knot in their fair city on February 29th, 2020, Leap Day, all at no cost, and live reported, I believe, that's tomorrow. Outside the tiny chapel there at 2.29 p.m., Reverend Vaughn will join the couples in a mass ceremony. Imagine having only uh, to remember your wedding anniversary every four years, said the Reverend. There are some couples that are paying efficient and chapel fees to be married in the chapel at different time slots. It is going to be one hell of a day. Why is the chapel talking? Well, I guess it is hell, Michigan, isn't it? Hmm. It seems like a terrible idea to have an anniversary that you only have to remember every four years. Because... I mean, then you, then you only get to celebrate it once every four years. Well, unless... See, what I would do, if I had a an anniversary that ended up on February 29th, I would celebrate it from February 28th at 12 p.m. to March 1st at 12 p.m. or 12 noon on non-leap years. It's about as close as you're going to get, and it also spans 24 hours. So, seems like a bit of logic to me, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Anyway, that is about it for the news for today. So, let us go and take a look at the current weather conditions. We currently have a light snow shower outside and a temperature of zero degrees here in Halifax. Uh, tonight, partly cloudy with 6% chance of flurries. Wind southwest 30 kilometers an hour, gusting to 50, becoming west 20 overnight, uh, overnight, any low of minus 5, with a wind chill of minus 12 overnight. Saturday, February 29th, uh, mainly cloudy skies, a 30% chance of flurries in the morning, light snow becoming late, uh, beginning late in the afternoon, wind west 20 kilometers an hour, becoming southeast 20 early in the afternoon, with a high of plus 2, and wind chill of minus 12 in the morning and a UV index of 2 or low. At night, periods of snow amount about uh, 2 to 4 centimeters. Wind southeast, 20 kilometers, becoming north, 20, gusting to 40 near midnight with a low of minus 2 and wind chill of minus 8 overnight. Sunday, March 1st, flurries in the, in the day. Well, flurries possibly all day. Uh, with a high of 2, going down to a low of minus 6, and a 60% chance of flurries at night. Monday, March 2nd, sunny skies, and a high of plus 3, going down to a low of minus 1, and snow overnight. Tuesday, March 3rd, periods of snow and rain, and a high of plus 7, going down to a low of plus 2, and 6% chance of showers at night. Wednesday, March 4th, a 6% chance of rain showers or flurries, and a high of plus 4, going down to a... Uh, Low of minus 1 and 6% chance of showers at night. And that 6% chance of showers will persist on Thursday, March 5th with a high of 3 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And it is time for some more music. 
that is Anti-Sun by, uh, sorry, that is Anti-Sun with Nosferatu, and you're listening to Square Wave 70 on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And it is time for gaming next month. Yes, it is the last Friday of the month, which means we'll be looking at the new games that are coming out in March of 2020, starting with uh, for March 3rd, we have one new release, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, coming out for the PlayStation 4. March 6th, we have three new games coming out. We have Murder by Numbers for the Switch and PC, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX for the Switch, and Yes, Your Grace coming out for the PC. March 11th, we have one new release, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, coming out for Xbox One and PC. March 13th, two new releases, My Hero 1's Justice 2. That is a confusing name for PS4, Xbox One, and, and Switch. And Neo 2 coming out for the PlayStation 4. March 17th, we have two new releases, MLB The Show 20 for PlayStation 4 and RBI Baseball 20 for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, iOS, and Android. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, March 20th, three new releases for that. We have Animal Crossing New Horizons for the Switch, as well as three releases for Doom 64 and Doom Eternal, both coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Doom 64 also coming out for the Switch. Doom Eternal also coming out for Google Stadia, of all things. Um, Half-Life 3 is not coming out. Gotcha. Half-Life Alex, however, is coming out for the PC on March 23rd. The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 3, that's where I got the 3 from, is coming out for the PC on March 23rd as well. March 24th, we have Bleeding Edge for the Xbox One and PC, and Moons of Madness for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, and what else do we have? Two new releases on March 27th, Gigantosaurus the game for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and for those same systems, One Piece, Pirate Warriors 4. March 31st, to round off the list, Persona 5 Royal is coming out for PlayStation 4, and the Complex for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Fairly beefy list for March, um, go take a look at April so far pretty short list but uh, we'll get to that when we get to that for now you can check out that new list uh anytime it can get updated at any point just go to gaminformer.com 2020 and there's your list right there and uh yeah we will be back um in about a month's time with the uh april list but we'll also be back in a few minutes for some reviews for now, here's some music. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Yeah. 
Python with Gift For You uh, from the compilation Cool Chiptune vs. Cute Chiptune Battle Compilation. I believe that's what it's called. Or one way or the other. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. So usually when I do these three-in-one review things, the three games that uh, I review have some sort of relation to each other. This time, well, not so much. However, they are games that I've played recently, and I want to talk about them, so that's a good enough association for me. My standards are falling. Anyway, first let's talk about Torchlight 2. This is an isometric action RPG developed and published by Runic Games and released on February, uh, September 20th, 2012. Because this game is trying hard to be the next Diablo, the alchemist, one of the playable characters of the first game, becomes corrupted by the Ember Blight, a source of evil that lies beneath the, tine, the town of Torchlight, resulting in him obliterating the town. Thus, it's up to the player to chase after him and put him down before he can destroy the world's elemental forces. Now for the gameplay, and... Uh, sorry, the presentation comes first. I should remember that. This game has a fairly distinctive style to it, going for an atmosphere similar to Diablo, but with a more toony look to it. No real complaints there. The sound and music are pretty solid, and about what do you expect for a game like this? In this general department, not bad, but nothing that especially stands out either. Now for the gameplay. And there are some nice things to say, but a few less nice things as well, and... Yes, I'll be comparing it to Diablo some more because it seems uh, pretty clear that this game uses it as a base. In fact, most of Runic Games were former Blizzard employees, so there you go. As far as, let's see. So as far as nice goes, uh, the inventory system is far more forgiving than its ancestors. Every item, whether it's a chest plate or a gem or whatever in between, takes up one inventory spot. Um, plus, the player is joined by a pet of their choosing, 
which also has a full-sized inventory bag of its own, and the player can send it back to town at any time to sell vendor trash and make some room in their own bag. Nice and convenient, isn't it? They can also buy restoratives and things like that. However, the difficulty is, well, a thing. Now, I was playing on veteran mode for my first playthrough, thinking that, well, if this game is much like Diablo, normal might be a little too easy, being used to the style and all. However, the problem lies in that the game's difficulty doesn't really curve very well, especially in higher difficulties. In later content, I've found myself effectively corpse-hopping through dungeon floors all the time. Plus, bosses' health bars don't reset if the player dies against them, resulting in difficult boss fights becoming, a ba becoming battles of attrition, which, honestly, thank goodness, uh, thank goodness for that, because I never would have finished the game if not for that. Plus, there is a few too many skills on which skill points can be spent, and it's hard to tell exactly where... Um, One moment. It's hard to tell exactly what should be invested in, especially blindly for new skills. Also, equipment requirements are a bit too complicated. A piece of gear can require, say, level 65 or 83 dexterity and 97 vitality, and it might show the player meets those requirements, but switching into this gear can then make them fall out of their requirement, resulting in the gear being immediately unequipped again, and maybe a few other pieces along with it if they don't meet these status requirements. There is some more, but we'll leave it at that. All in all, Torchlight 2 is a good idea and does some things pretty well, However, I personally didn't last much longer past completing the game, which didn't really feel satisfying at all. Others may have a better time with this one, but it wasn't for me. Next, we'll take a look at Treasure Adventure World. This is an open-world exploration platformer developed by Robot Games, published by Chucklefish, and released February 7th, 2018. A long time ago, an evil force threatened to, this, to destroy the world, which at the time was one big continent. It took a hero named uh, Huayin, I think that's how it's pronounced, to find the 12 treasures of the land and seal away the demon, though the resulting battle split the land into 12 as well. Now a boy ventures off to find them all again to find out, to find out what happened to his father after his, his, his excursion to find them. First, the presentation, and I'll actually start with the story, which is mostly kind of a throwaway. You get find the treasures and then very little else until the end, other than a few pieces of lore here and there, which is alright and better than nothing. Uh, there isn't much to say here about the graphics or the sound or music. They're there, but most people probably are going to be playing this game for them. This game is also smattered with references to other games, and I won't deny that many of them made me grin or snicker. <laughs> um, there is definitely more to the gameplay than the presentation. From early on in the game, it becomes possible to travel to any of the 12 islands uh, of the world, all of which having their own challenges and, you know, different styles to them. However, some of the challenges are a little unclear... That, or I'm a bit dense sometimes, which also wouldn't surprise me. 
However, I would I found that the beginning of the game was very slow, mostly owing to this, sometimes resulting in me running around for two or three hours before randomly stumbling into something useful to unlock a way forward, and then having the process start all over again a few times before finally finding a big thing to really get the, the rest of the game going. However, when things are moving forward, they're pretty alright. I, I appreciate that the entire world opens up early on, though a bit less so that there doesn't seem to be a way to quick travel between items, and especially that there's effectively a wall in the middle of the world that complicates travel for the first half or so of the game. Getting stuck on one puzzle doesn't mean having to stay stuck. The player can just move on to a different island and figure out a different puzzle. And really, once the mechanics of the game have been cleared up, there's a decent flow to it. It just might take a while to figure out certain aspects, though I'll admit that my brain works differently. If something is either too obvious or too subtle, I'll, it'll probably take me a lot longer to realize it on my own. Overall, Treasure Adventure World is a fun game. Not especially memorable, but for what it is, it's enjoyable and worth playing through at least once. If and if you're still not sure, Treasure Adventure Game is also a thing with, uh, from the same people with a very similar plot and gameplay, and it is freeware, though have fun trying to get it to run in current versions of Windows. Finally, here's CrossCode. This is a top-down action RPG developed by Radical Fish Games, published by Deck 13, and released September 20th, 2018. A girl named Leah, who appears to have lost her memory, is pulled into Crossworlds, a groundbreaking MMORPG where uh, players use a neural interface to control virtual characters on a real world, a moon named Shadoon, uh, tasked with following the track of the ancients and mastering the four elements. She's in contact with a man named Sergei, who is there to lead her toward her memories. However, as she recovers them, it becomes clear that there is a lot more to this world than what she's being told. Now, as a matter of full disclosure, I haven't finished this game yet, but I'm very close to the end and needed to come up with some reviews for today's episode, so here we are. So first, the presentation, and boy howdy does this game have presentation. The graphics use a retro-style pixelation, though the colors are a bit more diverse than retro-style would imply. There's a, a wide variety of different environments, and all of them created with much love. The music here is a strong addition to the game. I would call the regular battle music in this one one of my favorite battle tracks, honestly. The sound is a little heavy, but for what the game is trying to do, it fits well. The big thing about this game, though, is how it unfolds the story. Since the setting of the game is an MMO, the, the characters the player will spend most of their time with are effectively written to be real people with lives outside of the game. They get frustrated about go what's going on in their lives, and sometimes get upset about what's going on in the game. They have their personalities, likes, dislikes, everything. Every player character feels alive, and it really does feel like you're playing an MMO, aside from the fact that, that you have to occasionally sneak around and figure out the mysteries of Lyra's past. I will also admit that there are a couple of story sequences that have left me a little misty-eyed. Now the gameplay. 
There's a lot to take in, but it's presented well. For one, starting combat will initiate the rank system. Killing things increases the rank, which in, in turn increases the reward from killing more things, including money and item drops. Rank resets after combat has ended for long enough. Every element, including no element or neutral, has a circuit board which allows to unlock stat, bo stat bonuses in combat arts. And the best part is that the player gets circuit points for each individual board based on level and receives that base amount when they get a new circuit board, so there's no having to figure out how to share points between boards. Combat itself tends to be pretty intense, especially bosses. Figuring out elemental weaknesses, switching between elements and tactics, ensuring the overload gauge doesn't fill. Let's just say, there's a lot to this game. And I don't have time really to go over all of it. It's a bit overwhelming sometimes, but put, uh, putting that boss down is incredibly satisfying in the end. Overall, CrossCode is a highly rewarding experience, brimming with personnel, and feels great to play. It's not a perfect game, but it's one that I hold in high regard and would suggest to anyone remotely interested in any genre this game touches or just in search of an engaging storyline to follow. So, there you have it. An overview of what I've been playing lately. I guess I have to come up with some smart aleck thing to end this with now. May your path to boundless treasure be lit with torches and bunny explosions. Yeah, I got nothing. Let's just go and listen to some music, especially that battle theme that I've been thinking about. Let's put that on. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. <laughs>
And that was Denise Akbulet. I've probably wrecked that name, but I apologize. Uh, with Battle 2 from the CrossCode original soundtrack. And I kind of want to do an episode at some point, just a special episode, like a fill-in somewhere, just full of battle themes. Does that sound like a good idea? I think that sounds like fun. But in any case, we'll get to that when we get to that. For now, we have gotten to the end of our hour, so I do thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed your time here. I enjoyed being here. I love doing live episodes, so believe it. Anyway... Uh, it is time to close this up as we usually do. So, Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Gaming Next Month is powered by Game Informer, gameinformer.com. Segment music composed by myself, Madame Namiki, Norikiki Mikuro, Twilight of Defect, Sean Daly, Nifless, and Commissar. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU Fall by the Witching Hour at 7pm and press start to continue at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony. Square Wave is one word on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. And I promise to get that updated as soon as possible because I know I'm a couple of episodes behind at this point. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time. Oh, 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 oh,